Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I wanted to go over the ethical debate of is terrorism morally wrong or is it sometimes morally justified? I think terrorism is thrown around like, ah, oh, a terrorist, you know, and, and the, per the people receiving the act of violence is it's terrible because you're dying and no one wants to die. It's painful and you hate someone that wants to commit a violent act against you because you don't agree with them. You're in accordance of your own life, you know? So of course it would be it would be wrong. It would be murder. So that's a pretty easy one. But we know that there has been different definitions and views on what counts as when you attack, who considers you a terrorist? Or how would you consider what you identify with as? If it's not, you know, terrorism, or if it's not terrorism to you, would it be terrorism to someone else? And how do you perceive the own acts of violence under a specific kind of lens? There's, there's been many terrorist attacks on American soil. There's the Oklahoma City bombing. There's people committing just terrorist acts, like the Ku Klux Klan, I guess, was a terrorist group. They go around frightening black people. There's still sundown towns uh, in the South that where people basically agree if you're out after sundown, and a black person is murdered, no one follows up on it. It's free game. You know, if, if it happens at night, it stays, you know, at night. No one's patrolling, doing anything about a murder. You know, when someone goes missing in the South and they're black, there's no police follow-up. There's no investigations or patrolling any activities at night. It's just, that's it. If you're out after night, Anyone can do what they want to you. It's called a sundown town. It was as if um, some towns aren't. It would be like me living where I'm at, and then just over the hill over there in that other town, they kill you. <laughs> if I go over there, I die. If if anyone uh, is obliging me, like if they see me and out and about, and they have the option of just murdering me, and no one will do anything about it. The police will not be involved. There will not be any investigation. Um, there just won't, yeah, nothing, nothing. There's just, you know, so there's like a terrorist town, you know, but they're Americans, you know, and they hate terrorists themselves, so I don't know. And you would even consider like a massacre of a village of women and children at Wounded Knee, you know, like some of these um, atrocities that happen, you know, would you consider those terrorist attack? It would, you know, fall under that category, even though it was perpetrated by you know, colonial people or, or whatever. So, so uh, the author asks, um, how should we define it? Suppose that a government directed its armed forces to make a missile attack against an office building in another country. Would that count as a terrorist attack? Well, the people being attacked, you know, if they didn't know it was like military forces and there's no active conflict or war, you would think these are terrorists attacking me according to them, but according to us, over here, it wouldn't be. It would be a coordinated um, a military attack. So, I mean, some people would probably um, commit a terrorist attack, like at 9-11, you'd think, oh, these are terrorists. But then we come to find out, no, it was actually a, a secret military venture uh, deployed by the Saudi government. Oh, well, that doesn't uh, count anymore because it's uh, military. But we still thought the act before was terrorism. But now that we found out it, it was under an organization and it is not because it's tactical or something, like it's still an act that inspires you to think it's terrorist. <laughs> so the Twin Towers, you know, had it been military personnel acting under the orders, 
Would it still win a terrorist attack? Uh, yeah, it would. And the definition of terrorism under the preferred uh, U.S. State Department definition of terrorism, official acts by states can never count as terrorist acts. So there's sort of like a, a supposition that if we have to block out the fact that a, a state, official state actions can never count, then you preclude, like, if you preclude these, then they're related to acts of terror, but you, they won't count as terrorist acts if they're done by an official act of the state. So it's like precluded from the definition of terrorism because it's directly related to it. Otherwise, you wouldn't preclude it from the definition. So you're trying to like get away with terrorism, but you just count it as not terrorism <laughs> because it is terrorism, but you just don't want to include it into the category because someone will view it as terror, as a fear-inducing thing. And to kind of illustrate this point, uh, there's a poem by Roger Otis Wotus that says, Throwing a bomb is bad. Dropping a bomb is good. Terror, no need to add, depends on who's wearing the hood. Terrorism also involves a killing of innocent people. Now, uh, is terrorism always uh, unjustified and then wrong? Well, we know that making war on a country done by an official state will involve a killing of innocent people for the, um, but we also know that war is sometimes justified, but you also kill innocent people sometimes. And is it okay just because it's done by the State Department um, for the political purpose of war? Should we just accept the killing of innocents? And we know that terrorist groups may also seek recognition of what they regard as the legitimate claim for defending their territory or their independence as a sovereign country. So if a country is under a foreign occupation, and I'm sure if people were being occupied in the United States, they for sure would have coalitions that would go and kill people. So if there's any occupation from a foreign military, that if they attacked the military or attacked the United States, because it would be attacking the United States if you attacked the military. So, but would you blame them? Perhaps it's a very brutal occupation by some other nation on upon another. Those who want to throw off the occupation typically can't do anything about it politically or organize in a way that can really deal with it. They can't declare war against the occupiers. They have no resources for that. So all they have to do is uh, make up their bombs and place them strategically and you have terrorist strikes. You have these hits against the foreign occupier. So would they have a, a right for that? Some suggest that terrorism uh, aims at the death of innocents, while warfare does not. But often there's terrorists that send warnings to evacuate a building before it's blown up. And we know there's been occupations in different conflicts and wars that involved cities and people and buildings getting blown up without any warning at all. And this was done through an official means. So who's to say which one is, is inherently by its own nature worse than the other sometimes? What would the British who were occupying the American colonies, what would they think of the revolutionary insurgency against them? Would they consider them terrorists? Would they be classified as terrorists? You could certainly uh, find a view for that, like, yeah, you know, maybe they're, they're terrorists, but in America, like, no. Um, we're revolutionaries, we're proud of that, you know, but to someone else, like maybe we're just terrorists. Another way to frame this would be supposing there's two different entities attacking another one. So the first one is done through a tyranny, through a dictatorship, where the citizens have no control or say over what the, uh, the actions of the entity are doing. They just do that. And then on the other hand, there's a democratic 
nation where the citizens have a, a significant amount of control over what the entity, the political entity or national entity is doing, and there's many sway over that. So would you then consider one or the other terrorists? How would you define which one would be more terroristic, you know? And I think the supposition would be, well, yeah, the, the tyrannical ones, you know, the one with the tyrannical leaders and, and the, uh, the dictatorship, that's because it's not what I identify with, so that would be terrorists. They just want to spread fear, they want to destroy, they're bad. But, oh, well, this uh, modern democracy... And they had a very decisive, elaborate, free discussion and free assembly. And, and they took a lot of time, discussed it, and made a decision on it. And they went with that decision. They deliberated. So they're not terrorists. They're just organized crime fighters or something. Or, you know, how would that be? And, but they're both unjust. And the saying we know that, that they're both unjust, but one's just this, this tyrant king ruled by this tyranny or something like that or these groups of people and you know whatever one you know would count like one is maybe controlled by state is an official state act decided by freely or just one that is just done because that's what the top says but it's still both unjust but it would seem like one or the other would be labeled as 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 a terrorist attack and and would it be considered more justifiable because there is a vote, even though it's still acting on the same behalf? I'm going to be pulling from Acts of Terrorism or Always Morally Wrong by C.A.J. Cody. He asks, what is terrorism? And he, and he goes on to say that there's over 100 definitions. Terrorism is the use of or threatened use of force designed to bring about political change. Well, okay, well, sounds very militaristic. Terrorism continues the illegitimate use of force to achieve a political objective when innocent people are targeted. Okay, there's innocence there. Terrorism is often used to influence or to intimidate or create fear. The author brings up a good point that dealing with the legality of these coercive actions, that they're unlawful, well, if there was an insurrection and resistance against Hitler's Germany by the citizens, you can argue that it's completely justified, but it would certainly be against German law. And there'd be <laughs> illegitimate needs unpacking in the terms of what makes this or that use of force illegitimate. So certain people, depending on how you look at it, will call it illegitimate or unlawful and call it terrorism because it's against their interests. But it doesn't mean it wasn't uh, an unjust act. Would that terrorist act be morally wrong? It seems like in that case, no. So a way in which terrorist attacks aren't perpetrated by the state but are done by an organization, a non-state organization, against another state, there is a common conditions that need to be met. And there's uh, five that are laid out here. It says, war must be declared and waged by a legitimate authority. There must be a just cause for going to war. War must be a last resort. There must be reasonable prospect of success, and that violence used must be proportional to the wrong being resisted. And these all sound like value judgments that are very hard to understand. I mean, if you declare one life is equal to another life, then if you're killing a life that you don't value because it's terrorist or because you need to do it because they're bad, it's like, then you're just like <laughs> killing someone, but are they zeros or ones? Like, is it one to one or when does the counting start? I don't, I don't know. And then legitimate authority, like, okay, well, an authority is who authorizes it and who, who writes it in is, is good or who deems it, you know, their story is the, the story and a just cause. Well, what, what, how would you declare just? by who you know how would it balance out who is to declare that and then a last resort like okay well you know maybe you don't have to resort to anything like maybe resorting to war is wrong uh, inherently prospect for success okay well what would be successful maybe not going to war <laughs> then it'd be proportional 
to the wrong being resisted. I mean, that, that certainly a retaliation is you're just going to like make up your own numbers as to like what counts, you know, based on your anger or the amount of force you want to use. It's really hard to just like be, okay, I'm going to go over and, and do just a little bit because they did a little bit, you know, or whatever. It's like you could wage total war on people, you know, and, and I don't, I don't really know. It doesn't sound right. All sounds like nonsense to me. And then there's a sort of what counts as the legitimate targets. You know, we got to have principles here. Like what kind of violence can be used and what kind of restrictions. It's like you got to put restrictions on it. Like if you got to be that careful and discerning, like then what would war be? Like maybe you shouldn't be doing it if you have to tiptoe. To expand on this just war type of hypothesis is there's a combination of principles that go along with waging war. You can't wage war against people outside of the combat zone or outside of combatants because you don't know which one is supporting it. Even if you're in a place that formally voted to go to war with you and you're in that place that voted to go to war with you, you can't kill other people outside of the combat area because you're killing innocent people that have nothing to do with the war or there's no way that you can know that. There's no one perpetrating that aggress aggression it's only the people perpetrating aggression would you do anything about. And you would not charge random people guilty of violence in indiscriminately. It'd be unjust. People who aren't aiding and abetting into it, you cannot classify and you cannot raise your sword against a combatant within a different context. There's different contexts of war that you must follow. So there's a classification for, for understanding who's concerned and has played a role in the individual chain or agency of directing the aggression or the wrongdoing. And you also might even be a, a combatant that's being coerced to fight, and that's not really your vote. That's not your agency, but you're still being told to, to go. But you, you put greater blame on those that are coercing them, but you have to know which ones are which. So there's also kind of an unjust uh, character to to this and there's also people who abet into perpetrating the war and they might be children but it's only because of indoctrination that they play a role in in being a combatant to some degree there's a, a civilian soldier distinction in a non-combative uh, context even though the causal chain may even be there there's a legitimization to what causes these things but you could still lump tons of people together be like yeah well let's just blow them all away you know of course you just couldn't do that it just wouldn't make sense and be very just. What then would we make of the argument that it would be much better to blow up innocents and everyone alike with an atomic bomb to create a real exclamation mark in order to end the war, to show this disturbance in the balance of force, to say, okay, um, uncle, you know, surrender, um, rather than an unconditional kind of surrender, uh, you know, being more uh, morally praiseworthy <laughs> than the alternative, but maybe also that there is a utilitarianism sense that the greater number of people saved would have been the route of rather than having the war go on and on and on and more people die by military means, that you would just get it all done in one foul swoop and it would be a calculus of much saved life and much destruction in the long run if you just get it over with with a nuclear attack or some other massive brutal form of, of, of winning a war. So the more brutal you are is going to compel people to say okay stop like we've had enough we're not going to have any more of this happen it will end the war and the outcome will be you have to just take this brutal attack because otherwise it's just going to get way out of hand and you're going to lose a lot more 
rather than, you know, so that's like an act of coercion in a sense. That's like an act of terrorism in itself. Like I am using a supreme agency to create the, the most concern and fear imaginable in order to have better outcomes overall in a human calculus of a utilitarian sense or whatever. So it would seem that there's kind of a block between what counts as a justifiable action in approaching how to go about the end of some sort of horrific will or war or terrorist attack or something. There's a, an intentionality of killing innocent people that functions as a moral thought when we think about dealing with, in a utilitarian sense, um, what is the greatest good, even if this is a great bad for now, would overall this in the future be the best course of action? What drives the prohibition of killing people? What drives the inhibition to kill people? And what kind of moral restraint would we have on certain actions? What tactics would we use? There is sort of an entranced view of dealing with the moral outcome of reacting to terrorism or reacting to death or an injustice, that there is a less revisable way of dealing with um, the logic and the propositional thinking of, of how we are to deal with the loss and dread of certain behavior and it certainly is incalculable the amount of damage and heartache that has gone into people actively killing you and the amount of hatred and opposition between people there's sort of a moral belief system that has a position and framework of moral thinking that if we rejected them it would lead to an imbalance and an incoherence uh, of our own moral thoughts there would be a definite definite um, empirical lack of movement when we deal with certain propositions having gone through a certain amount of, of, of undergoing experience and uh, where our theorizing in our own minds about our existence has brought us within this moral framework. He says that the attacking of, in, of innocent people is illicit when used by non-state groups and it is wrong when used by states in response. So would it be wrong for states to use it initially and then for non-state groups to use it in response? I'm confused on that. Two wrongs don't make a right, yeah. Uh, the use of violence to capture or even kill terrorists is legitimate if it accords with the conditions of just ad bellum, which is the, the five principles that govern a just war. He included um, something like the war must be a last resort, there must be a just cause, a legitimate authority must wage it, there's a reasonable prospect for the success of the war, and that violence must be proportional to the wrong that it's be that's being resisted. And the measurements of that go beyond my scope of knowing of what would count as just, if there's any justice involved, what it would mean to create the amount of damage um, in response to the resistance, and how you would weigh that, how you would keep those things in check, and what, what would the uh, means of success be, and then what is legitimate authority, what does that mean, and then what would it be to be a last resort, when would the last resort be, because I'm sure some people would just never resort to it depending on certain definitions, and the just cause. Well, how would you know the cause? Maybe it's both caused by both things. Like, uh, it just seems like kind of a, uh, just a way in, I suppose. When would it be that terrorism is morally justifiable? There was in Lawrence, Lawrence Kansas, an attack of an anti-slavery town. Uh, there was looted stores, burned buildings, assaulted residents, and women and children were involved. And then there was um, anti-slavery pushback 
led by John Brown. He went to different farms and murdered people. He later moved to New Virginia to start a slave rebellion. He raided a United States armory at Harper's Fury and, and held 60 hostages. He was arrested and charged for inciting a slave insurrection, murder, and treason. But we would say that also he had a just cause. This sounds like a lot like terrorism, but yet he's meeting some of the criteria, at least for the just ad bellum five criteria of what counts as a um, organized conditions for, for war, for it being considered something other than terrorism. But maybe proportionally it was wrong. Of course, you could rationalize that however you want, because slavery destroyed the lives of so many. I don't know what any form of retaliation would really add up. You know, would this be successful? Not really. Is it a last resort? And I don't know what a last resort would be. Is it a just cause? Yeah, you could consider it a just cause, I suppose. Is it a legitimate authority? Well, people will self-determine on their own authority sometimes. Is it legitimate? It's really up to the state, I suppose, if that's who we're asking. And he was praised for some of his actions for people who advocated anti-slavery and knew what was going on. Wishing to overturn some unjust, tyrannical establishments, um, you are considered immediately a terrorist. No state or system of law could long endure should it tolerate private violence, even for an important political objective, says Gabriel Palmer Hernandez in his essay, Sometimes It's Morally Justified. How then should we think of John Brown? Was he a criminal, a murderer, a traitor, a religious zealot who killed and held hostage ordinary people? Was he a selfless sacrificer, a martyr? Maybe all of these things. Maybe he was a, a liberator, and we, we often have that kind of language use for heroes or people of that go to war. So, John Brown killed innocent civilians. It would make him a murderer, but it doesn't mean he wasn't motivated by a strong sense of justice, the abolition of something horrible. So, what is the view on the moral reasoning? What grants us permission to say he's terrorist? And we may kill certain people, but not ordinary citizens. And when does it become ordinary? Is a terrorist just a freedom fighter? Because many people, I'm sure, uh, are responsible for carrying out the resource, even if it's by vote, but there's a resource of social engagement that instigates because the military in itself it's it's done by political means uh, uh, but it's socialistic it's done through and paid for a common welfare people pay through it with taxes they agree to and that requires an X amount of people to legislate how much money goes to who gets what and the military gets a lot of money so you get a, uh, a resource from the common populace uh, towards this kind of institution it's organized socially so there's many political aims that people act by Violently, not always towards people and within a context, but we should examine when contexts change. When you kill a soldier, it's typically not considered terrorism, but when the soldier is engaged in things outside of the battlefield, when does that become a legitimate target? When they're in war? But if a soldier is not at war and they're closer to civilians working in a civilian area, then are they less like a soldier and more like a civilian? So there's a gradation of when soldiers are engaging in certain activities, are they being combatants? So it's almost like your mode of being shifts, but that doesn't mean that someone who is a civilian isn't essentially a cause for combatants or would be a combatant to you given the power over the situation, you know. And people naturally, when attacked, have a tendency to attack back. There's a tendency for retaliation, even if you're not even engaged in what's going on. If there's some form of violence that's being perpetrated, there's some sort of maybe even perceived heroism that goes alongside the attack. Whether you know what it is or not, even if you know who's perpetrating it, 
and you could identify them as terrorists or or a combatant of some sort. It's what what are you going to do when your life's at stake? Even if you don't know what this is and you have no gripe against them or no no will to inflict any sort of act that would be retaliated on through a cause that you might be supporting, but it's just the fact of human nature. Like, what what am I going to do? Sit around and let this happen? Like, or will I step up and stop this and literally engage and combat something, even when I'm a civilian that has nothing to do with it? So, you know, I mean, that would be a threat to the, the people that are attacking. So I don't know how you'd conceptualize and frame someone who has a will to harm you, whether in retaliation or not. I think the, the seeds of, of cause for concern with this will lump almost anyone together that has a will to retaliate or to bring justice into a situation or bring bring something into their own hands. You know, I, I don't really, I don't think it matters who is in, supposed to be engaging and whether or not that would be political for a political purpose. You know, it wouldn't be organized or anything, but what would be the common sense for uh, having combatants? You know, we, we need to assess illegitimacy, non-combatants, innocence, and who the targets are. These are conceptual issues concerning what would count as terrorism and how we would smuggle a moral appraisal in favor of a terrorist act if it meets the criteria versus not. There are people that have no no concern with war. They lack a responsibility and they are therefore illegitimate targets. They pay no mind. So the one perpetrating might cause terrorism to occur. You might make enemies. I mean, it'd be easy to, take, to make enemies out of uh, non-terrorist people without any affiliation or organization. I think it'd be very easy to make you hate someone of a particular group and want to organize against it in some way that maybe you hate the affiliation of that group for that reason but maybe you don't even know the, the next thing about it so there's a peaceable population like well maybe there are just old men that aren't going to do anything people that don't have a stake in the game like children women it could be Ill illiterate people that don't care at all or it could be literate people that do care a lot but don't have a stake because their understanding doesn't allow them to engage with it or they're passive they're complete pacifists like maybe they're a buddhist or you know they're clerics and you know or whatever it might be but how much would it be the business of the people or of the general populace that contribute or benefit from the conquest of war the consequence of wars happening War is a complex institution, especially for a, a modern democracy, that no one would be concerned with war. I think a lot of people are forced into engaging with the language of war, like war language. If you listen to the radio or if you engage with any of the uh, cultural institutions and rhetoric that happens on a daily basis. He quotes the role the individual plays in the chain of agency directing the aggression or the wrongdoing. And this is all organized. Those who are in that chain directing aggression or wrongdoing are guilty, and many perhaps must be killed. Some soldiers will surely be in that chain, but others fighting on behalf of justice and acting in self-defense are innocent and morally may not be killed. Suppose you unjustly attack me and I defend myself. Like I mentioned earlier, this is all coming from the author. It would seem as though if you have a just cause and you're citizens of a democratic state fighting an unjust war, would you have a measure of responsibility for the injustice and for retaliation? Would you consider it terrorism if that is in fact the case and you're not considering yourself? And what would these responses be? You can't be a terrorist if you're responding to some unjust thing that happens to you. But if you think you don't have a responsibility for injustice, then you're not going to consider yourself illegitimate. You're going to consider yourself legitimate. 
So would you be a terrorist or not? So where is the discrepancy of if we are jointly united into the, the war effort, even if this war effort is completely unjust and criminal, that we can charge it on those grounds, who then would be held morally responsible if we are responsible, but some people aren't participating and recognize the war as being that way, that you would not be then responsible for the burden of that criminal activity, so to speak, but only the people that are supporting that, only the gang that is repping illegal activity and enabling it. But in some sense, you are still a part of the democratic popularity and in some sense, how would, how would you avoid the innocent being killed as a result? If we are able to hold those as a cause responsible, how would we be able to avoid that? There wouldn't be a... Um, if you are directly responsible, but you're against it, the circumstances, in some way, you're jointly responsible, but we'd have to distinguish the innocent from the guilty because we wouldn't be able to outright show who is in support and who isn't. And furthermore, if you are in support... But say you're invaded and someone's retaliating against an unjust war, uh, but you bear arms, but some people that support it don't bear arms, and then how, what would become a legitimate target, even though you're morally responsible for the criminal war? You'd have to delineate what counts as legitimate in order to not be a terrorist. So in essence, like most people that engage, whether it's just or unjust, or it fits the, the criteria, the five criteria, how would we be able to distinguish whether it's... Uh, legitimate or illegitimate, and that you couldn't be thrown under the umbrella of terrorism just by the proximity of certain people having or not having been involved in something and how we're supposed to determine if someone is morally culpable or responsible in another way or legitimate, like whether or not they're able to take up arms against you whether or not they have it within their power to defend themselves and who have an intention of retaliation. So different forms of political violence, they can secure moral goods like an insurrection and a revolution, or to free slaves and to defeat tyrants, and a war to defend a nation against those that would unjustly commit violent acts for a political reason against us, organized or not. Well, I, yeah, I think we've kind of failed to comprehend the stage and ability to comprehend the culpability of determining just pure terrorism from acts of retaliation or if it's organized or, or legitimate. And there's, there's all these terms that kind of go over. I'm sure a lot of this is a lot more complicated than I'm even letting it on here. I'm getting sort of lost in the shuffle of the various effects of human actions and the interpretation of human behaviors. It's just so very interesting to mull that around. Maybe there's just no real answer for that and that we should just stop doing things on some sort of uh, universal grounds that there's something terribly wrong here. Terribly. It's terrifying. Terror. <laughs> to any degree that there is a prompting to violence, that someone will be terrified of this kind of behavior. It's an important to engage in in the real examination of the the boogeyman kind of essence of describing other people that are of violent significance as being terrorists and the effect the word has had in order to create a political will 
and rally behind consolidation of these groups and to legitimize and justify how we are organizing against certain human factions that may emerge out of certain actions. And it's a very complicating and painstaking, sad reality that hopefully will just dissipate through the course of time, that maybe just through the spell of learning and talking through an information age, my hope is this kind of behavior will become a thing of the past. Well, I, th I thought this deserved a lot of talk. I haven't engaged with this a lot, so I thought I would engage with it a lot and should be the center uh, centerpiece of social science, um, a reflection on human behavior and and social life and organization and politics and to create a philosophy of understanding a theory of action concerning moral behaviors. It's very big. It has a lot of significance and weight. So that's what you get when you come in here into, the, into my temple. You have to struggle and strain with my brain. So that was that, acts of terrorism. I hope you enjoyed and didn't enjoy it because I don't think it's supposed to be particularly enjoyable, but more intense and purposeful for the sake of a better understanding of the hard reality of the world that we have been facing ever since we have been organized and politicized groups of, of entities ever since the very onset of civilization that these kinds of 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 games if you can call them games but these these horrible violent political games that have been played among people and perpetrated between each other that maybe somewhere in the near future that we could overcome this that that's a part of evolution is to get out of that revengeful retaliatory selfish tyrannical stone age violence <laughs> okay well i will see you again soon bye